0: The following message is from Grace City Church in Ottawa. For more information, please visit GraceCity.ca. All right, all right. Draw your attention back up this way if we can. Continue our service together. Good morning, good morning. Good to have you with us this morning. My name is Rich, part of the team here at Grace City Church. And uh, I've managed to lose my voice, which in my line of work um, is a little bit challenging. Um, so I've asked our, uh, our amazing uh, tech crew this morning um, to help me out, boost me a little bit, and uh, yeah, apologies that I sound a bit croaky, but um, we're going to go through this together. I'm looking forward to opening the Word of God together with you. Let me just say uh, quickly again, if you've just joined us in the past few minutes, maybe after Sarah was sharing Some of our announcements this morning want you to know about the church family meeting next week. Okay, we're going to be uh, gathering after the service here at the Mayfair. Lunch will be provided, and then we've got a meeting that will be fairly brief, but just about the life and health of our church. If this is home for you, please prioritize that time. We really would love uh, for you to join us then, and we're going to be sharing some exciting news then as well about our vision as we move forward as a church family together. Um, If you have a Bible, feel free to turn to Exodus chapter 7. We're going to continue our series in Exodus this morning. After this morning, we're going to take a little bit of a break from this series, not for too long, uh, but we're going to be going into another kind of mini-series as we teach through the vision of the church that we're going to be laying out for you next week. But for this morning, we're in Exodus chapter 7. I'm going to read to you verses 1 to 13. They'll come up on the screen here behind me. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring, them out, uh, bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so, and they did just as the Lord commanded. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. became a serpent. Verse 11, Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Two key things in these first 13 verses of Exodus Seven that I want to look at this morning with you. The first is this God is sovereign over the heart of man. And the second is that God is sovereign over the power of evil. Both of these things are good news for us here this morning. When the Bible speaks about the heart of man, it is speaking about uh, all of human will and emotions. It's a metaphor for that. In Jeremiah chapter 17, God speaks through his prophet saying, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? And because the heart is desperately sick, of course, in our world, it plays out in damaging and traumatic ways. Jesus says himself in Mark chapter 7, he says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within and they defile a person, come from within, come from the heart. That's why we as a church have very little interest in trying to control your external behavior. As a pastor, as others who serve in leadership in the church, your life group leader, we have very little interest in trying to control your external behavior. We have no interest in being spiritual police officers. We want to be more used by God as heart surgeons because we can focus on all these external things and yell at you enough or make you feel guilty enough or whatever else to try to change some external behavior, but your heart may not be changed. And the heart is the issue. That, 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 that's where all of these things, this, this is Jesus saying this, that's where all of these things flow from. It's the heart that defiles us, It defiles a man. So we've got a heart issue here. And as followers of Jesus, those of us in this room who are followers of Jesus, we need to be very concerned with the heart. So much of Christianity, so much of faith, gets really concerned with external behaviors, gets concerned with controlling external behaviors, which I'm not saying isn't a serious thing, but what we do, of course it is, but without addressing the heart reasons as to why we do those things, well, we're missing it, we're missing it, and all that we're doing is presenting to our churches and even to the world just, just a form of legalism, which is we just want to control the way that you're living, giving you a whole list of laws and a whole list of rules when God is concerned about the heart. It could be that none of this is really news to you. You've been around church for a while. Some of you, you've heard lots of sermons about the heart. Uh, but what for you might be in these verses that I just read from Exodus 7 that might trouble you a bit is Exodus 7 verse 3. And this is what we're going to spend some time on this morning. Exodus 7 3 where it says, but I will harden, that's God speaking, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. There seems to be something inside of us when we read that that wants to shout out, hey, that's not, that's not fair. That's not fair. It seems like Pharaoh's like an innocent player in all of this. And, 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 and God, you know, God is the one that's causing him to do something wrong. God is the one that's causing him to dig his heels in and, and, and not let God's people go and release them from slavery. The thinking goes that if God hardened Pharaoh's heart, then God is responsible Pharaoh's sins, or so the thinking would go. And if that's true, God is not acting justly if he punishes Pharaoh for sins that he caused him to commit. So we're in a bit of a theological problem here, aren't we? We, we, We've got to grapple with this. We've got to wrestle with this. Now, I suspect you didn't come here this morning to have a crisis of faith. Uh, I, I know why you came. You came so I could tell you how amazing you are, and you came for free coffee, didn't you? Right? Well, good news. We have free coffee, <laughs> okay? But you didn't come to have a crisis of faith. So how do we how do we deal with this? Are, are, are we going to entertain this notion of a God causing Pharaoh to do evil? Does God cause some of the evil in our world? Does does God cause you to do evil? Does God cause me to do? Evil? Well, no, no. And we need to look at this because there's thinking that can easily start coming in that starts pointing us in this. Direction. So how do we understand this? Preachers and scholars over the years have, have tried to downplay this text, and, and this is, we're in Exodus 7 at this point in the series, but this isn't the first time where we read that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but this morning I am wanting to spend more time on this. Many have tried to explain this away. The thing is, Scripture doesn't try to explain it away. It doesn't. Scripture doesn't try to explain it away. We, we have to engage with this. And there's an opportunity for us to submit ourselves to the word of God, even when it is uncomfortable. So how do we understand this? I want to give you three things that I hope will be helpful. Firstly, we have to understand that at no time was Pharaoh's heart pure. Okay, At no time was Pharaoh's heart pure, which means that he is not innocent. Scripture teaches us that the only way to be declared innocent by a perfect and holy God is by grace through faith without that pharaoh and you and i continue on with our deceitful hearts that are desperately sick as jeremiah 17 that we looked at that's the only way for our hearts to be made pure so we need to reject the idea that pharaoh was innocent in this he he's not And apart from Christ, neither are you, and neither am I. In comparison to a holy God, none of us, none of us, you might be innocent compared to the person to your left and right, but you're not innocent compared to a holy God. Secondly, we need to recognize and reject the lie that God would cause anyone to do evil. Now, let me, uh, something something I've come to understand in my own life is that one of the effects of sin in our world and in our own lives is that it twists our thinking. It, it, it can draw us to really delusional thinking. You know me, I like to define our, our terms when I, when I use words like that, a little bit of like grade 10 English, right? So when I say delusional, what I'm referring to is characterized by holding false beliefs or judgments about external reality that are held despite incontrovertible evidence To the contrary. So what is the delusional belief that we are confronting here? The the delusional belief is that God, who is holy, would cause evil somewhere else. God, who is holy, would cause evil in someone else. Jesus had to address this very belief himself in Matthew chapter 12 when some of the religious leaders accused him, after he did a miracle, of of his powers coming from Satan. Satan. Like, Jesus had to deal with this. Listen to these verses from Matthew twelve, starting at verse twenty two then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. and all the people were amazed and said, "Can this be the Son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said it 's only by beelzebub they said it 's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man let 's be clear, the man that they 're referring to is Jesus." Cast out demons. It's delusional thinking. Knowing their thoughts, He, Jesus, said to them, "Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided itself against itself will stand. God, who is holy, cannot and would not carry out evil plans. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. Now you might think, well, that's convenient to you, Rich. You're, you're up there and you're preaching. You you, you kind of have to say this. No, just hang on. just, Just think about this logically. If God carried out evil, he would be divided against himself. And that house would not stand. That kingdom would not stand. But this is not a failing kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a failing kingdom. Thirdly, the greatest threat to faith in God is the question did God really say? We speak about this a lot. We're gonna speak about it again this morning because this is very key for us. Remember Genesis chapter three. Remember sin coming into the world, right? And what is the first question that is asked of Adam and Eve by the serpent, right? Satan in the form of a serpent. There, first words out of his mouth. Did God really say? Did God really say? It's an attack on the word of God on the credibility of God, on God's trustworthiness, on God's faithfulness. When we open ourselves up to the idea that God, in hardening Pharaoh's heart, has caused Pharaoh to do evil, what we are really opening ourselves up to is, did God really, did he really mean that he is who he said he is? Because we have to hold this in the entirety of Scripture. Take Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, for example. Moses, this, this is a song of Moses. Moses is singing this over the people of Israel, describing God. Remember, Moses, the prophet, right? God has put this song inside of him by the power of the Holy Spirit. He sings out the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. But if God hardened Pharaoh's heart, heart to cause him to do evil, if God is the author of Pharaoh's evil, well, then God's work isn't perfect. Is it? Well, that doesn't make sense. It's also not just. That's not without iniquity. That's not not upright conduct. So we have to take what God says about himself in Scripture and hold that and try to wrestle with these other things that may seem to be a threat to that, but aren't necessarily. Just because we think, well, it looks like God may have caused Pharaoh to do evil doesn't mean that he did, and we must be very careful because what's really a root there is this thing, is God really trustworthy? When God says he's holy, when God says that he's just, when God says that he's, is he, is he really? Is he really? The point is this. Did God really say may not sound very dangerous as a question, okay? Did God really say? And you can almost hear the tone that the serpent is using there. It's like an emphasis on really. Did God really say? Snake, right? It's got that hiss. Did God really say? I mean, it sounds sounds appealing. It, 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 It sounds like an invitation to have an open mind, doesn't it? Did God really say? It may not sound dangerous, but that's exactly why it is so dangerous. The serpent, we read in the verses before, is crafty. He's crafty. Interesting that Satan in the garden doesn't show up as a Rottweiler, barking loudly. Oh, scary, aggressive. It's a serpent. And we think serpents. Bad, bad, bad. Well, not, not, not then. Not then. This stuff hadn't happened yet. Okay? The curse hadn't come into the world yet. That animosity between humanity and the serpent, particularly between the woman and the serpent, hadn't entered into the world yet. So the serpent's there just as another creature. It's not a Rottweiler crafty, with that hiss. Did God really say, did God really say? Church, I want you to know that if any preacher should ever come into this church and stand up here on this platform and try to tickle your ears and start moving in a direction of, church, look, did God really say? I, like. If I could build a legacy into us as a church, I would install like giant red flashing lights up here. I would install a full alarm system. And if a preacher came in and said something, did God really say these big red flashing lights would start going off. Wow, wow, wow. The sirens would start going off. And that person, what, what's going on? And you would all look up and go, oh, no, that's that's just, our, that's just our bad theology alarm going off. That's our false doctrine alarm going off. Because we here in this church, we are going to take God at his word. I really want to press this into you, church. This is one of the most pastoral things that I can do for you ever, ever, is to do all that I can to encourage you to take God at his word, even when it's uncomfortable, even when culturally or wherever else things seem to be pointing in a different direction, even when all others are saying, well, no, but did he really say that? Did he really mean that? Let's just, let's just deconstruct this. Oh, man, if I hear that word one more time. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. If we give ground in this, did God really say we will end up, as Natalia was sharing with the kids earlier, we will end up not on a firm rock of a foundation, but on sand, and we will sink quickly. This is our foundation. Is it church? Okay. Good needs to be because everywhere we go there are going to be things that are going to be fired at us that are going to be asking that question did God really, did he really mean that we need to hold firm we need to hold firm and we need the help of the Holy Spirit I, I I hope my point's coming across here okay I got like no voice left but like I, I would rather deconstruct an angry shark okay, than I would try to deconstruct the voice of Yahweh I really would. I really would. We can trust him. We can take him at his word. That is the safest place that we can be. It brings us to this crucial distinction, and that is this. The hardness of heart, hardness of heart is the sin of man, but the hardening of heart, hardening of heart is the judgment of God. We must be clear that the Bible tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is an act of judgment against Pharaoh where God hands Pharaoh over to his pride and over to his evil desires. We see cases of that happening in Scripture. There are times when God will withdraw the grace of his spirit from an individual or even a group of individuals and hand them over to Satan. This is and should be a terrifying thought. But friend, if you're here this morning and you're hearing me say that, and I know it's uncomfortable, I know it is, but if you're hearing me say that and you're thinking, oh, I... I hope God would never do that to me. I hope God would never do that. The very fact that you're thinking that is evidence of the Holy Spirit of God on you. Because those who have been handed over, their hearts are so hardened. Their hearts are so hardened that they would not hear the voice of God and repent. They may be broken, but brokenness is not the same as repentance. We're gonna see that later on in this series. Pharaoh, finally, I mean, we all know the story to some degree, I think releases God's people. But it's because he's come to a point of brokenness but not a point of repentance. It's still about him and the threat to him. He doesn't turn to God. He doesn't turn to God. The hardening of heart is the judgment of God. There is no true repentance without the softening and the changing of one's heart. Now I said this text was ultimately about two things here. The first is God's sovereignty over the heart of man. The second is God's sovereignty over the power of evil. And we've already been touching on this a little bit. Because I'm not able to expound on this fully, because of time this morning, this this is a theme that we see repeated all throughout the Exodus story, is God's power over evil. But just touching on it briefly here this morning, God is, is, in what we see happening with Pharaoh, and, and Moses and Aaron appearing before him. Like, this is amazing. I, I, like, God is actually showing off here a little bit, I think, and it's just awesome. It is just awesome what happens in these verses where Moses and Pharaoh, they come, sorry, Moses and Aaron, they come before Pharaoh, and God has told them, okay, Aaron, take your staff, throw it down on the ground, and it will become a serpent. Then, then Pharaoh calls his magicians around, his sorcerers, this is, this is real stuff. Sometimes people try to explain that away, saying it was an illusion. I, I don't know how you do that as an illusion. <laughs> like, hey, Pharaoh, look over there. Quick, get a snake, bring it in. Like, it just wouldn't work that way. We have to acknowledge that these evil powers, they are real. They are real. Let's not try to explain this away. They are real. And Pharaoh calls in these people, and they come, and they do this thing, as well, these powers are real. I was horrified the other day, I, I don't think in seven years being in Ottawa, I don't know if I've ever kind of railed against a show on Netflix from the front. It's not, not really my style, I'm not really that type of guy. But, but, <laughs> I'm afraid that ends this morning because the other day, you know, you turn on Netflix and, and it gives you like the top 10. and I was horrified to see a show that was in the top 10 that's about a clairvoyant, it's like about a medium. Right, Somebody who says that they can speak to the dead. Church, this is dangerous stuff. Don't dabble with this. It will hurt you. It will. It's not entertainment. It will mess you up. Be very careful. This stuff is real. And when we read these verses in Exodus, Pharaoh calling in his own magicians and sorcerers, And they duplicate at least the first part of this miracle. This is real, but I love, we love what happens next, don't we? Right? Because God is sovereign over the power of evil. Exodus 7, verse 11 and 12. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up the others. Right? Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Church, can you see Jesus here? Can you see him? Can you see him in this text? Moses and Aaron, and Moses in particular, sent as a representative of God. Remember what Moses hears from God at the beginning of chapter 7. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. God says to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. I have made you like God to Pharaoh. The power of evil is confronted. The power of evil responds by attempting to display its own power, and then the display of its power is swallowed up. Church, let me ask you, what is the ultimate display of the power of evil? In a word, it's death. In a word, it's death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 to 57, it's actually quoting from Isaiah and other texts in the Old Testament. Paul says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immorality, then they shall come to pass the saying, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, swallowed up. They knew this story. When Paul uses that language, his audience, his original audience, is thinking. Oh, we we recognize that. What are they thinking of? Thinking of Exodus chapter seven. We we know this. We've seen this somewhere. This story sounds familiar, but ultimately, ultimately, it wasn't about what was happening in Pharaoh's courts. Ultimately, it's about Jesus. Ultimately, it is about Jesus. The sting of death. And the power of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus 7, once again, is the gospel in miniature. In Exodus chapter 7, Aaron, a representative of God, throws down his wooden staff, which does what? Turns into a snake and swallows up the other snakes. In Christ, God himself comes to earth is laid down on a wooden cross that he is nailed to and in that act of being crucified on the cross and being put to death for your sin and for mine, death is swallowed up in victory. This story in Exodus 7 is about Jesus Christ. The story of the serpent, of Aaron's staff becoming a serpent swallowing up the others is a pointer to Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. God is sovereign over the hearts of man. God is sovereign over the power of evil. Let that encourage us this morning.